Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Before starting today's episode, I wanted to share a brand new podcast review that I just received on April 23rd. This is coming from future Doctora Lucas, and it says, Intentional and Important Podcast. This is an amazing podcast. I am currently on my last year of my PhD program in leadership and special education, and in all honesty, have felt crippling anxiety since day one. Listening to a few episodes has helped me feel less alone as a PhD student and empowered. Just hearing the voices of the incredible women she has invited and talked with has helped reignite the dreams I had during the beginning of the program. Thank you, Dr. Yvette. Your voice is so important. I hope you know that you uplift so many people with your voice and existence. Thank you, future Dr. Lucas. Your touching words mean a lot to me. I feel like it came at a good time <laughs> because sometimes after doing this for a couple of years, I'm wondering, like, are folks really actually getting something from this podcast? And you provided me with a kind of affirmation that is so, so helpful to help me to keep going and keep doing this kind of work. I am actually still offering free half hour coaching sessions to anyone who writes an honest review for my podcast. So if you are the one who wrote this podcast review, please reach out to me. You can um, email me gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, or you can also message me on LinkedIn or Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And I will get back to you with a link so that you can get on my calendar. I look forward to meeting with you. And as always, I am so grateful to anybody who takes the time to leave me a review. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Doctora Yvette. Today, I have a short and sweet episode for you all about six strategies for dealing with a toxic advisor. This topic came up for me because I recently asked on social media for graduate students to share some of their current struggles and pain points. And this came up. And also this is something that I have direct experience with as well because I did deal with a toxic advisor in graduate school. And so these are some, the information that I'm sharing right now are some suggestions, some of these things I did, some of these things I wish I had done, um, but no matter what, hopefully you gain something from what I share today, if you are someone who happens to be dealing with a toxic advisor. All right, so let's start with the first one. The first thing is to identify the root of the problem. There's something that this person is doing or saying, something about their behavior that is toxic to you or that is impacting you in a negative way. And so what is it that's going on? 
Is it the way that they communicate? Are they overly critical and harsh? Some professors happen to be very blunt and maybe they're not the most warm people. Maybe folks might not, um, they might not describe them as being kind people. And so that um, coldness, that bluntness might not work well for you. Sometimes uh, supervisors are micromanagers. They see you as a reflection of their work and they're so concerned about their own, uh, what is it, like uh, reputation and their own research and, and you working on a research that might be their own topic, then they're just checking every single thing that you're doing, micromanaging you, not giving you any room or space to breathe or to have your own independence and agency. Sometimes supervisors are toxic because they are too hands-off. They go missing. They go MIA. You rarely hear from them. They're rarely on campus. Maybe they don't even live near campus and they're only around once a week if they are around at all. And you struggle to get a hold of your advisor. That's That happens sometimes too. Sometimes individuals are flat out exploitative. They expect you to be at their call at any minute, any time of day. I had someone like this who I recall the first time I worked as a graduate student researcher for this person who at one point was my advisor, but then eventually was no longer my advisor. And this, this was when I realized I needed to get a smartphone. I didn't have a smartphone before this because they expected me to be doing things for them at all hours of the day. I had to go run around campus uh, 8 a.m. in the morning, grab materials for them. And I was just checking my phone all day and all night for any requests and answering them right away. And if I did not, I was not respected. I was treated not well. I was made to feel bad. And in retrospect, I wish that I had known that I didn't deserve that kind of treatment. I wish that I would have advocated for myself. I was only, I think in my second year of my program, still trying to prove myself, still trying to convince myself that I deserve to be there. And so that person was being exploitative. And there are a lot of faculty members who, whether they're doing it intentionally or not, rely on graduate student labor and do so in exploitative ways. Uh, whether it's asking for too much, underpaying you, or just treating you terribly, um, treating you, um, what is it, like being condescending, being disrespectful. I think that behavior is exploitative and that is toxic. Okay. And then in some cases, this is where Oof, I get nervous even talking about dealing with toxic advisors because there are some folks out there that are flat out spiteful and evil and even doing things that are flat out discriminatory and illegal. And so if someone that you work with is displaying 
inappropriate, offensive, and even illegal behavior, I would run. I would find a way to no longer work with that person. I know how hard it is sometimes in some cases it feels like there's no way out. Um, but I'll, in some of the other um, strategies that I share, I'll go through like the different options that you have, whether you stay or decide to leave this person. Okay. And it's so funny because when I'm saying stay or leave, it almost sounds like it's this like very abusive relationship, almost like, you know, when you hear about incidents of abusive relationships and romantic relationships, well, even though um, your relationship with your advisor is platonic and it is a formal relationship, it is a professional relationship, it is still a long-term relationship. You're going to have a relationship with them for at least two years if it's a master's program, at least five years if it's a doctoral program, and in many cases, a lot, lot longer than that if you continue on with an academic career because this person will continue to write you letters of support and perhaps be a reference for future jobs. So the person that you choose to be your advisor, that is a big deal. And if you start to notice issues now, it may suck right now to try to think about finding a way out, finding someone else to work with, but the long-term impact of switching might outweigh the discomfort of you figuring that process out now. So just a heads up about that. Okay, so aside from identifying the root of the problem, the next thing I recommend is documenting what is going on. I know this is going to sound weird. You might be thinking, why? I don't, I'm, I don't think it's that. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's that severe. Um, I don't think it's that bad. But no matter what, it's important to document. If you're like me and I have a bad memory, if you're like me and I had experiences of flat out gaslighting in academia where someone made me feel like an experience that I had did not happen, um, it helps to have documentation. What does that mean? Documentation means keeping a record of emails that you've received that were toxic, inappropriate, discriminatory, you name it. Um, it also can mean keeping a spreadsheet where you write down dates and times that you met with them and you describe the behavior or the things that they said. Because later on, as time goes on, you might not remember the exact details of the things. And if you have a record of multiple incidents of toxic behavior, that, even if you don't show it to anybody else, even if you don't need the documentation for anything other than for yourself, you can go back and see that that's evidence of the reasons for you to consider either switching advisors or sometimes switching departments too. Okay. The third thing I want to recommend is to make sure you set boundaries and you find ways to manage up. Setting boundaries is especially important. It's, it's important for everybody, but it's especially important if you have a toxic advisor. And when I say manage up, manage up is a term that's used a lot in I think I've heard about it more in the corporate setting if you're working with a supervisor and you want to make sure that you get what you need out of that supervisor. And so you're managing them in a way where you are making sure that you get what you need from them to advance professionally. And I, I 
when I say manage up, that's what I'm referring to is finding ways to work with them so that you still get what you need out of your graduate program. And so when you're setting boundaries, you want to set clear boundaries and you can do that by talking to other people who have worked with this person and figuring out strategies to best work with them and then figuring out strategies to find ways to keep meeting your milestones without hurting yourself, without um, burning yourself out, without continuing to feel the stings of the toxicity. So if you decide, you know what, maybe it's not as bad and maybe you think you can manage it and maybe you're not interested in pursuing working with someone else, you're not interested in switching graduate programs, or maybe this is the only person you really can think of that you can work with given your topic or at your institution, you're going to stay with them. Then you got to decide, okay, I am going to figure out exactly how I want to communicate with them, how often I want to communicate with them, when and how much am I willing to work and how am I going to make sure that I meet uh, the milestones and make progress in my program? How am I going to make sure that I graduate? And how am I going to make sure that this relationship is okay enough, sustainable enough that I can get what I need now and even in my career later on? So that's just, these are things to keep in mind if you decide to stay with someone. Because sometimes there's different, different, what is the word? Um there's, I guess, varied levels of the degree to which someone is toxic. And so sometimes if you're, maybe your advisor has really good intentions and they just go MIA a lot. Or maybe your advisor has really good intentions, but they just really bad at communicating, really bad at answering emails. Okay, that might be toxic to you, but it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. So if that's the case, and I understand if you continue to work with them and you find ways to work with them, find ways to compromise, that works. But even if that's the case, remember, set boundaries and manage up, figure out how others have successfully worked with them in the past too. All right. The next thing I want to recommend is seeking guidance from trusted sources. If you're working with someone who is toxic, and as we know, academia is a space where a lot of people talk to one another, bridges can get easily burned, and you want to make sure that you maintain your reputation, you maintain positive, productive relationships with people, then you want to make sure that whoever you talk to about the struggles that you're experiencing with your advisor is someone that you trust. And I can't stress this enough because you don't want people talking. You don't want to cause drama. Uh, you, you probably want to lay low. Um, and so if you find someone that you feel like, okay, this is someone that I can trust. This is someone whose advice I, um, I respect and admire. And I know that they have my intentions in mind or they are um seeking to help me from a place of of actually caring about me then yes definitely talk to them so this could be a mentor this could be a mentor let them know about your situation let them know about why you're struggling 
in your working relationship with your advisor, what comes off as toxic to you and what their advice is and what have other people done to, to manage working with them and what do they recommend and what options do you have to best deal with the situation. And remember, someone might be toxic or difficult to work with in ways that are manageable now, but at any point, the situation could change for the better or for the worse. And if for some reason it changes for the worse and their toxicity escalates, then please know that there are sources, there are people, there are offices that you can contact to get help and support. This could be the department chair. Sometimes the department chair is the toxic one. So if that's the case, don't do that. <laughs> this could be an HR office. This could be a university ombuds office. This could be um, co confidential counselors. And in any case, before you talk to anyone and share anything, make sure again, that this is a confidential source that they will keep your information anonymous and, um, and then get their professional advice and input on what you can do next. Again, if the situation escalates to the point where you feel like you need that extra professional support and advice. The next thing I want to share, because I can't not share this, I've been alluding to this since the beginning, is to make sure you create an exit strategy. Like I said, situations can change at any point. I want to make sure that you're protecting yourself. And like I said earlier, if the situation escalates and you find that this relationship is no longer sustainable to for you, or sometimes it's not just one person, an entire department might be toxic. And you realize, wow, I really need to get the F out of here. I don't even wanna stay in this department. I'm willing to switch entire schools, like not just departments, but switch and apply to other uh, programs nationwide. If that's the case, then you wanna create an exit plan. And that means what steps you need to take to either find other professors, other faculty members within that department or in other departments at your campus, or even what's the process of reapplying to grad programs, but reapplying with the intention of transferring. Now I've helped clients with this process. And I know it can be tricky to have to go through the process of applying to graduate school all over again when you've already been working in a graduate program for one, two, three, four years. And then in some cases, they might give you credit. In other cases, they might not, and you have to start over again. And so these are things you want to consider. And that's why if, if you think this is an option for you, it helps to get a head start and start reaching out to faculty members. Again, in your department, if you trust them outside of your department and outside of your campus altogether at other institutions to see what is the process of reapplying? What is the process of transferring? Will you get credit for the work that you've done? And, um, and is it worthwhile for you to go through this process? So having a, an exit strategy, having support will help because maybe, you know, it might mean you might get delayed, delayed by a year, but it also means that you can get 
your health and wellness back. It means that you no longer have to be dealing with someone who's very, very difficult or in a space that's inhospitable. And I do think that it is worthwhile, even if it causes a slight delay in your timeline. All right, the last strategy or piece of advice I want to share based on my experience and also the support that I've provided to other graduate students is to please, please, please take care of yourself. I can't, again, I can't say that in, uh, enough. Working with a toxic supervisor can take a huge toll on your physical, mental, and spiritual health. I say this so many times and it is part of my story and the reason why I do what I do, but I burnt out in grad school and I burnt out to the point of developing a chronic illness. And as much as I've learned to embrace my chronic illness, it's still not something that I necessarily would want others to experience. I want you to take care of yourself, to put yourself first. I want you to remember that sometimes we make a lot of sacrifices because we think, okay, that sacrifice is going to be worth it. And you think, you know what, I'm going to push and I'm going to push through and keep working hard. And no matter what happens, even if I get sick, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And even though graduate school is temporary, I don't think it's worth it if it comes at the expense of your long-term health and wellness. I mean, some folks don't just get sick. Some folks, it, it's, it get, it's a lot worse. I mean, I don't want you to work to the point where it kills you. And I'm not just saying physically, I'm saying mentally and spiritually too. So please, 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 if you're dealing with a toxic advisor, or if you are in an inhospitable environment, seek help, seek support, find a way out and take care of yourself. Okay. That's it for today's episode. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right. One free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school fem touring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtouring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Fan Touring. Thanks again and until next time.